Welcome to Editorial Echoes for November 15, 2007. I'm Samuel Gordon-Stewart. Nine days between episodes. Well, that's something that's going to change. We're now in the final week of the election campaign, and from now until the day after the election, there will be an episode of Editorial Echoes every morning. Later this week, we'll catch up with a journalist who's been following the leaders around throughout the election campaign, and during the week, I'll be out and about conducting polling with results on election day. Incidentally, I'm also running an election poll on my blog at samuelgordonstewart.com, and I'd be very interested to see you cast your vote in the poll. The more votes cast, the better. Anyway, on with the show, and today I'd like to have a word with you about climate change. Climate change is something we have heard an awful lot about in recent times, but it hasn't really been a huge issue so far in the campaign. In fact, the who copied who of climate change policies appear to take up more time than the actual policies. Climate change really hasn't had anywhere near as much focus during this campaign as many would have expected. But that will probably change this week, as the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, have released a report which, once again, paints an alarming picture of the climate change issue. United Nations Secretary-General Ban Ki-moon has been quoted as saying, "'Today the world's scientists have spoken clearly and in one voice.'" But, Mr Moon, have they? DemandDebate.com sent out a survey to 345 members of the IPCC and found something quite astounding. Less than 50% of the respondents said that an increase in global temperature of 1 degree Celsius is undesirable. Half of the respondents said that such a temperature increase is desirable. Desirable for some, but undesirable for others, or too difficult to assess. Only 14% said that the ideal climate was cooler than the present climate, whilst 61% said that there is no such thing as an ideal climate. And even more incredibly, only 20% said that human activity is the principal driver of climate change. The survey found that the standard questions about humans and climate change tended to get responses which you would expect from an IPCC report, but once they started asking questions which didn't quite seem to fit the usual script, the views varied wildly, and the consensus disappeared. And even scientists are questioning their consensus. The Petition Project, for example, has recorded signatures from 19,000 scientists questioning the scientific basis of climate alarmism, and other IPCC scientists have resigned due to their disagreement with other members of the panel, and yet still get their names on the report. So, with this in mind... What does the latest report say? Well, an unpronounceable scientist and economist who heads up the IPCC summarised it by saying the world will have to reverse the growth of greenhouse gas emissions by 2015 to avert major problems. If there's no action before 2012, that's too late, he said. But hang on a minute. During the week, the New South Wales government released a report showing that air pollution in Sydney has dropped by 30% in the last 15 years. The report went into further detail by naming particular pollutants, including carbon monoxide emissions, which dropped by 34%. Now, if Sydney has managed these reductions despite an increase in population, then it's probably fair to say that other cities have done the same, which means pollution is dropping, but climate change continues. Which brings us back to the lesson of history, the lesson that climate change is natural, or at the very least, mostly natural. 
When you consider that only 40 years ago or so we had scientists warning us of an impending ice age, you have to wonder how much of the alarmism is real science and how much of it is merely keeping these scientists in a job. And when I consider that I've heard a handful of scientists this year claiming that they are starting to see a shift towards another phase of global cooling, I can only think that we will see a very large number of scientists with a fair amount of egg on their collective faces in the coming years. Of course, the most amusing thing about the IPCC report is that it is the precursor to a round of international climate change talks in Bali next month. You would think that a group concerned about carbon emissions would want to hold their meetings in a location which would require the least amount of travel, which would surely mean somewhere in Europe, not an island nation almost as far away from the vast majority of nations as you can get, not to mention the amount of air conditioning that they'll have to use in Indonesia in December. I suppose the question therefore is, how will the issue of climate change affect the election? Well, there was a national protest about global warming last weekend, the so-called walk against warming, and it's probably fair to say that the majority of people who see climate change and the supposed need to take action as their main issue, which will decide their vote, would have attended the walk. Kate Fairman from the Nature Conservation Council said estimates suggested as many as 150,000 people attended the rally nationally. 150,000 in a nation of 21,141,000 people. That's 0.7%. Naturally, this prompted one of Bob Brown's amusing pronouncements. He told the Sydney March that the turnout proved the environment is a top priority ahead of the November 24 election. Well, Bob, if 0.7% of the population have climate change as their clinching argument for their vote, that's only enough to tip the balance in six electorates half of which are Labour electorates anyway. The electorates are Hindmarsh, held by Labour by 0.06%, Kingston, held by Liberal by 0.07%, Swan, held by Labour by 0.08%, Macquarie, held by Labour by 0.47%, Bonner, held by Liberal by 0.51%, and Wakefield, held by Liberal by 0.67%. This 0.7% wasn't just the climate change fanatics either. The numbers were inflated by other groups tagging along for the ride. For example, the Canberra March was joined by Resistance, the peculiar rent-a-mob socialist movement that seemed to turn up to any protests they can find, and a bunch of anti-nuclear movements, which seems strange considering that nuclear power would help to curb carbon emissions. So 0.7%, many of whom are so anti-liberal that they would vote against the coalition even if they could cure cancer, produce world peace and end hunger and poverty. Will climate change have much effect on the outcome of the election? The answer is a very clear no. This has been Editorial Echoes for November 15, 2007. If you have any thoughts or comments about any of this, email them to echoes at samuelgordonstuart.com. In the previous episode of Editorial Echoes, I provided my Melbourne Cup tips. Well, as per usual, I had a shocker with my tips running 14th, 16th and 19th. And as I mentioned earlier, the weekly poll on my blog this week is an election poll to see who you'll be voting for in the House of Representatives. If you'd like to cast your vote, samuelgordonstuart.com is the place to go. Last week's question about compulsory voting saw 71% in favour of it, a result which is hardly surprising. I'm Samuel Gordon Stewart. I look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. And until then, ta-da. (laughs) 